0: The problem was is that once I had everything, right? I remember the moment, it was probably 2017, where I was sitting at my chair at home, I had my career, I had my kids, I had the house, I had the car, I had all the nice stuff, and I was still restless, irritable, and discontent.
1: is better wealth with caleb williams mario my friend welcome to the better wealth podcast (laughs) how's it going man good man i'm i'm excited (laughs) i'm excited for this listen man i first of all just want to say this our mutual friend kirk who really was the person that introduced you to better wealth and has been working with you we were at a evening dinner party and he shared the story of his interactions with you wow and he started breaking down crying wow and and because the impact that you've made on his life, the impact that you've made on my life, the impact that you've made on so many other people's lives is so inspiring. So here's what I want to do as a teaser. This episode, I am not interviewing the next financial guru. I'm not interviewing someone that came out with a book. I don't I am not interviewing somebody that's super super smart when it comes to money that puts you to sleep. I'm interviewing somebody that probably 2 years from now would have thought the last podcast they would be on was a financial podcast. (laughs) And your story is going to inspire the educated and the people that might have no interest. I I have a funny feeling that this episode is going to get shared way more than our typical episodes because of your story and because of who you are. And so with that intro, you have a lot to live up to, my friend. Yeah, I do. (laughs) Um, Why don't you give a little backstory of who you are and how you got introduced to Better Wealth. But I want to kind of get the backstory to set the stage.
0: Oh, man, absolutely. Caleb, again, thank you so much for having me today. I've been looking forward to this ever since I sent you a message on Facebook. You know, it's funny you're talking about taking action, right? At the Sober Living Home, kind of doing some cleaning and thought just came said, hey, message Caleb, send him a Facebook. You know, you have a good story. And I just did. I had no idea that you were going to message me back. So very honored. you'd reach out. So thank you again for having me, but I'll just jump into it. My name is Mario Torres. I'm a grateful recovering alcoholic. My sobriety date is January 31st, 2019. I'm a proud father of four beautiful children. I currently right now, my full-time position is a firefighter paramedic with the city of Phoenix. It's been, I started back with, with better wealth back in September. So it was funny, my, my good friend Kirk Hortel, we've known each other or knew kind of had some mutual friends when we were both testing for the fire department back in two thousand nine. Yeah. So that's how far we go. I got hired a couple of years before Kirk. I was the age of twenty one years old. I'm wow. 30 right now. How old are you, Caleb? I'm twenty
1: five. You're twenty five? Oh yeah. man.
0: That's awesome. Would that give it to be twenty five
1: again? <laughs> <laughs> so you're a fire you currently work as a fire fireman.
0: Yeah, firefighter paramedic. Uh-huh.
1: Thank you. Thank you for your service. Oh, thank, thank you, you, man. And you've obviously have a, a story as it relates to alcohol. Quickly, I, I don't want to bring up any tough oh, no. pain, but I'm sure back if I'm my math is correct, you were about 28 when you wrote yep. free.
0: Yeah, man. It was uh so a little bit about my history. You know, I started abusing alcohol and drugs at the age of thirteen. So, you know, it's I've used a long time, you know, I've been using longer than I had not been using. And wow. so, you know, as, as I, you know, I was a high school dropout, I got myself back into school, got a diploma and, you know, my dad was missing out of my life for, for many years. And, uh, you know, I think that probably had something to do with it, but I've never really had a father figure, you know, growing up, you know, my mom was a single mom raising both of us and, you know, she was my mom and my dad and I. I appreciate everything that she did for me in my life, you know, but there, there comes a point, I think in everyone's life where you have to rediscover yourself, where we all kind of get lost or detour or get off whatever journey that we are. We have to discover who we are and discover our purpose, you know? And, uh, I'm, I'm not really a a religious type of person, but I do believe I call my higher power God. That's Mm -hmm. where I celebrate you know, what really was, is I took my will into my own hands. You know, I developed this alter ego, if you will, you know, an ego to me is edging God out. Mm. And I just really, you know, I wanted to live life on my terms, on my will, you know, I've experienced some pain as young, as a young adolescent. And, uh, you know, I was really, I was waiting for God to apologize to me you no, know, I felt sure. like God owed me. You were playing the
1: victim. Yeah, absolutely. And you were turning to alcohol as the enabler and as the thing that would fulfill you. It was one of those things where what was the day? What was that moment like when you're like, I can't, I can't keep up with this. I can't do this any longer.
0: Gosh, man. There had been a couple different moments of time. You know, what was really crazy is I had no idea I was an alcoholic. You know, I had no idea. You know, I was experimenting with some drugs and, you know, I just thought I just needed to kick that stuff. But, you know, it wasn't until the moment where I kind of really traced back my life to where it's like, wow, I guess, you know, alcohol was never, alcohol and drugs were never my problem, Caleb. They were my solution to my problems.
1: I want that to be highlighted. (laughs) I don't know what what people are going through, but a lot of people... Think that's their issue it's not that's the thing that they're turning to solve their issue
0: oh absolutely man and i'll be honest with you like when i first had that first drink as a young man when i first smoked that first joint it turned me into it gave me superpowers yeah. you know i got attention i got I was the life of the party you know and all of that worked for many years until it didn't to yeah. where next thing you know i'm just doing it as a routine i'm doing it as a lifestyle and i just you know i had a a period of abstinence, you know, when I got on the journey to become a firefighter. I've been a firefighter for eight, a little over eight years now. So Mm -hmm. there was a time, you know, like life was great. I was going to the academy. I was having my daughter, you know, I had the house. I had the girl. You know what the problem was, Caleb? Was I had this whole life where I didn't want to be the victim. I thought that I deserved everything. You know, that I was gonna make this beautiful life. And you know what the problem was? The problem was is that I got it. The problem was is that once I had everything, right? Like I remember, I remember the moment, it was probably 2017, where I was sitting at my chair at home. I had my career, I had my kids, I had the house, I had the car, I had all the nice stuff, and I was still restless, irritable, and discontent. I was like, this is all for my life, and there was it was just so disengaged, you know, I want, I don't want to call it boredom, you know, boredom to me is just the definition of just not being engaged in life, you know, and I I was turning out to be someone who I never thought I would. And my disease, you know, the disease of alcoholism, drug addiction, it's progressive disease and it doesn't, and it doesn't discriminate. You know, I was just progressing through my life and, you know, my best judgment could not get me out of it. You know, I was just doing counseling I was taking suggestions. I was doing all the necessary steps and this is going to sound really crazy to you, but I had this moment where I thought like I was, we were getting ready to have my son, Ethan. You know, I just had this idea in my mind that as soon as I saw my son take his first breath, I would be instantly cured and I would never want to pick up or drink or use again. And, uh, so I remember the day. So I delivered my son, which was really cool. It was the first kid I ever delivered. You know, as a paramedic, sometimes we'll have to do emergency stuff. But I delivered my son at the hospital. And that was my best idea. I just, I just remember breaking down, crying all the time. Just regret after regret after regret after lies. If not, I don't want to be this person, but I don't know how to stop. And, uh, and I just thought that by seeing my son take his first breath, I would instantly be cured, right? You know, kind of like the Messiah. Like I thought it was he was like baby Jesus to me, you know. (laughs) And uh I remember delivering him and and holding him. And I just felt empty. I felt completely empty. I wasn't high, I wasn't drunk, I wasn't anything. I was just spiritually empty. And I at that moment I knew I was screwed. And uh, you know, it got a little bit worse, life was getting hard. Uh, I just, I I just didn't know what to, I didn't know what to do. And I remember having this, I remember having a tragedy call as a firefighter that it was a defining moment in my life. There was a, there was a two person airplane that crashed in the middle of the street here in Phoenix and one person died and the other person lived and we were working on them, So they had to be extricated out. I was the paramedic on scene. So. And uh, it was just this tragedy mess, just this aircraft, just right in the middle of the street, two people dead. And uh, I just remember working on it and it was just such a, it was some, it's very symbolic that like my life, you know, with, with my wife at the time uh, that my life had been come crashing down and it was burning, you know what I mean? And there was just one survivor. He was, he later on died of his injuries, but he was alive when we got him. He was just on life support. I just remember just after that shift, just how deeply affected I was by that. And like, I got physically sick just, and I just remember just, uh, you know, I was having suicidal thoughts and I remember just talking to someone and remind you, i had been kind of hiding my disease from my wife at the time. And, for almost two years I was hiding it. And uh, you know, it was it was very it was very shameful. It was very shameful. But there came a point in my life where I finally just screamed out for help. I threw out my hands and I'm like, I don't God if there is a God, I don't I need your help. I can't do this. I'm tired of hiding. I'm tired of running from everything. And I remember a firefighter came up to pick pick me up from a you know, to take me to, you know, a psychiatric place for eval. And I remember that night where it was so defining that was like, you're, you need to come clean. And I remember telling her that night and, and the next thing I know I was in a a psychiatric place for the weekend and uh, I came back, I got out of that. I just, you know, started on the road of acceptance, right. And uh, I came home and my whole house was packed up. My kids were gone. And uh, even that wasn't enough to get me clean and sober. And, you know, my addict mind was like, well, I guess this is just more reason I'll have more time to drink, you know? And uh, that, that, I wish I could say that was the last time I would ever drink again, but it wasn't, you know? And then, you know i was getting help through our fire department resources and finally like i just i i kept falling back into old behaviors and they finally said hey man this is your last chance you need to get it together or figure out a different career you know and they say they say that rock bottom is defined as losing something and getting ready to lose something else and uh you know, I I just really surrendered. And kind of a quick backstory is I had, uh, I had a good firefighter friend of mine who we both got our first jobs. We knew each other since we were 17 years old. We got hired the same time. We were cadets together and he was going through the same struggles that I was. We ended up meeting at, at uh, like a treatment center and he was going through the same thing. So we both kind of relapsed the same time. And then what was really cool is we went through inpatient uh, treatment together for, and he was my roommate for 30 days. So how, you know, just how that was all orchestrated was beautiful.
1: So that was back in 2018 is when. Yes. Turning around.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So
1: so I want to fast forward to the money concept. So things are starting to turn around and you know, I'm assuming you're not really know, you don't know anything about money.
0: I I don't know. All I know is how to spend it. Okay, <laughs> you know, yeah, I didn't know anything. I didn't know anything about cash flow. I didn't know anything about passive income.
1: You, welcome to America. So yeah, right yeah, and yeah so sure. When was that? When was that moment that you realized you had to start taking this money thing seriously? And like, how did that happen?
0: All right, so Kayla, this is really good, right? So uh, it's a great question. So about after I had a year of sobriety. You know, there, there came a point in my life where I was still, I'm still getting some of those same feelings of being discontent with life. Like there should be more, right? I worked my ass off to keep my career. I was getting my family back. I ended up having two sets of twins. Right. And, you know, part of the recovery journey is making amends. Right. And I, I realized that the last, that the one person I hadn't made amends with was myself. And I used to live in Washington state and I actually ended up kind of getting sick. And so I took this, you know, I'll call it a spiritual journey if you will, but I took the vacation of a lifetime just by myself. And I drove all the way up the coast, up to Seattle. Right. And, and I was going to, and I was hitting the places where I first, you know, lost my identity, where I first started using, and I was making amends with my younger self, if you will. And I just remember, uh, you know, once I made the comeback to the fire station, people were very, what's uh, standoffish of me. People were very judgmental of me. You know, I just got people, you know, there's, there's a term, you know, telephone, telegraph, tell fireman. And, uh, you know, the words kind of spread about, you know, that I was kind of in some trouble and I was getting help and, you know, now I'm better, right? And I was getting a lot of pushback. And, you know, my whole alter ego was, firefighter and so like I had built my whole life around trying to fit in trying to be accepted trying to be loved and it was the opposite of that and so I I went to Seattle I went up to the coast with this question in mind it's like what is my purpose what am I what is next for me you know there's got to be something more and the question was I was like God why why doesn't why don't these people love me I've loved them so much. Why don't they love me back? And I just remember that voice, you know, that inner, inner dialogue. Uh, It said, because they're not your people, the drug addicts and the alcoholics, those are your people help them. And I'm like, Whoa, okay. Well, what does that even look like? And, you know, I had lived in a sober living home uh, for a year and you know, I was always kind of interested in the real estate. My mom had a mortgage brokerage company growing up, so you know, real estate was interesting. And then I had the idea to open up a sober living home, and I had no idea what money was. I had no idea. Okay, well, how would I get this? How would I do that? And then, uh, and then I rove in and I start working with Kirk, and he just asked me a simple questions like, "Hey, what are you doing? What are you? You know, what are your goals?" And we just started talking. And he's like, "Hey, you know, give me a call." And I did. It was part of just taking action in my life. And what what sobriety has taught me is like, you can't want this disease to go away. You have to do something every single day to take care of your to take care of yourself. And so I was very familiar with taking action in my life. And so once I got on this journey, right? You know, we started talking about life insurance. He gave me the and asset book. He gave me. And that's where I really started my journey was, and you know the first, I'll never forget, I owe everything I have today to Kirk's help. Was he said you are your greatest asset, you need to invest in education and knowledge in yourself, and I'm like okay, and he just kept feeding me. I just the more I the more I would read, the hungrier I would get. Right, I read the the Nelson book, you know, becoming your own banker. And and he was you know uh, richest man in Babylon like all a rich dad poor dad and it just started clicking man it just absolutely started clicking and uh, you know the definition of what I wanted right but the the first thing that you have to do I think when you get on a financial path spiritual path whatever it is that you call it uh, is you have to know your why. You have to know your why. And I never forget, I still have my and asset book here. I've it out to a couple of my friends. I've actually gotten two of my friends signed up through Better Wealth as well. And uh, I just remember just sitting down really getting honest with myself. Of, And I remember in the book, you just talking about your why and how important that is. And uh, those have been words that I live by. I review it all the time, like a checkbox list and, and really start defining what I want my life to look like, you know, what do I want Mario in five years? You know, and, you know in school everyone always talks about five-year plan, blah, blah, blah. it never really under- made sense to me. Right. And, and just the most of it is just investing in yourself, really knowing who you are. And that was something that was really missing in my life.
1: Think, think about this majority of people use their money in a way that devalues them. Think about it. Like, that's mm. exactly what majority of people are doing. And so when we start teaching about efficiency, when we talk, talk about valuing yourself, when we talk about investing in the thing that makes everything else possible, we value, like when we talk about control and cash flow, I, I could just like, dude, I'm honored. I'm honored that number one, you're you're helping being an ambassador for this concept of intentional living. But congratulations. Because you're, you're, you were honest with yourself and leaned into something. And, and there's people that know 10 times more about money that don't get it. And my friend, you, 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 you get it. And I want you to share what you did next. Because not only are you creating cash flow, not only are you investing in opportunities, not only have you leveraged certain things that you've learned through Better Wealth and Kirk, but like you're making a difference, man. And, and, and by the way, when did, when did this all happen? I want to remind people like, this is not a five-year testimony. This is a within the year testimony.
0: Well, yeah, no, this is definitely within a year. So I signed up with you guys. Uh, I believe my insurance policy was fully vested by time of September. So I started about a month before that. Uh, September 18th is when I incorporated as an LLC. And within a month, I already had a property. Okay, walk I had a through website. that. Walked oh through my god! because okay, like
1: people are like, okay, what what property? What do you mean? How did you learn that?
0: Yeah, so uh, so the biggest deal, right, is like, okay, you need a property, right? And how? So I had pulled some money out from my four fifty seven, right? And I just had this idea. I just had this idea, Caleb. Uh, you know, uh, Robert Kiyosaki always talking about not using any of your own money. Right. And I pulled out uh, about $100,000 from my 457 retirement because through the CARES Act, they were, you know, there were some financial, uh, they were waiving like 10% penalty fees and you can spread it out. Right. And I just had this idea. It just clicked. I said, my challenge to myself is to open this gate without using any of my own money. And I'm like, okay, challenge accepted. And so I just started getting on the phone. Uh, I found a property. It was listed at 423. Now, Phoenix right now—I don't know if you've heard, but it is the hottest market. I yeah, mean, no
1: pun intended. Also, no. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but yeah, I'm with you. I, I looked at some places, and I'm like, wow. Oh, dude, it's not cheap.
0: But to put it into perspective, the first property I went to look at, there was 17 scheduled showings that day. Yeah. Everyone and from
1: California is moving to Phoenix. So. Oh, of course oh yeah
0: it's ridiculous but this particular house is actually in the neighborhood uh where i grew up at you know and they always talk about investing into into where we're into markets that you know right and it just so happened that i grew up in this neighborhood and this house sat on the market for six months and we me and my realtor who was also a firefighter a friend of mine went and looked at it. It was like what's wrong with this house you know, we we were looking at it, right? We were looking at numbers. They wanted four hundred twenty thousand dollars for it, you know. But I got approved at four hundred thousand, right? And so I, so we get approved, and I say, okay, where am I going to come up with twenty percent? And I I talk to my uh, to my stepdad, and I buy it as an owner occupied house, and he he gives me eighty thousand dollars to to buy this house and uh one second all right there okay so so we get him on that and I start paying him you know we we talk about terms and uh, you know monthly payments back to him right and then it needs a fire sprinkler system right and so I start pricing that out that was $24,000 I had mentorship from uh, the sober living house that I had been at who I bought, like uh, the policies, procedures, and uh, I actually became good friends with one of them. So he was helping me get everything that I would need to get certified for this house. And then two of my other firefighter friends that ended up signing up through Better Wealth, you know, we're all on kind of the same journey. You know, they become, they invest as their first form of investment opportunity, right? About ca- passive cash flow, was they invested in my business. So I got over $45,000 uh, worth of, or what was it? $125,000 worth of capital, working capital for my business, for the property, to get it furnished, to get it and, going.
1: And you mentioned you wanted it to be a certain house to help sober living.
0: Absolutely.
1: Talk to me about what that, like the economics behind that real quick.
0: Oh, dude, it's it's crazy. You know, you can have uh, between five to 12 people in a house. So I found a six bedroom house. uh, And I got put in touch with my partner. His name is Joey. And he, he owns 10 sober living houses in the Valley. He's got, he's got uh, he's been in the business for over 10 years. And we started kind of sharing, uh, sharing our, our, our ideas, right. And he really liked what I was about. I told him my story and this is going to be crazy. The first AA meeting I ever went to, he was the speaker. He was the first speaker I ever heard. How crazy is that? And, and so we just kind of started talking about the business plan and what that would look like. And then we had the idea to open up a residential treatment center. So the whole, the whole idea for this property was to get it up and running as a treatment center. So a full-on rehab, right? People would spend 30, 60, 90 days there. You have therapists, you got behavioral health techs, you have nurses, the whole nine yards. So that was the initial game plan right from the beginning was to turn this into a treatment center. But in the meantime, right, because I had all these expenses, I had all this debt, was I wanted to live out my dream of running a sober living home. And, you know, it's... So I got the website up, I got, uh, I determined my prices and I just started marketing. I, I hired two women to, once I made my pamphlets, uh, they hit every single, they divided all of Maricopa County into sections and just started delivering my, uh, started delivering my brochures to people. And I started, they would get me names and numbers. I would call, I would follow up. I was scheduling tours for other treatment centers to come, and intensive outpatient program detoxes. Everyone started quickly knowing who I was, and I hired this company to do my website called BizIQ, and you know they know how to work with all the back codes with Google and Google reviews. So I kid you not, kid, from the time I opened my doors in November to I would say about March. I went from being a nobody to being ranked number two in the valley of Phoenix of sober living homes. so it's it's crazy. so uh, so here's so the next step was so I started up another another nonprofit called Safe and Sound Transitional Living. Uh, that is to so under under uh, transitional housing, right? you have there's different entities of services that you can provide, right? So you can service, you know, battered women, homeless, veterans, homeless veterans, severe mental illness, sober living, right? They all kind of fall under these categories. So uh, so our plan with the nonprofit is to be able to have a home specifically and provide services to each one of those uh, entities. So. So June 1st, we're making our conversion over into the treatment center. So we were getting ready to go through our licensing process with uh, Department of Health Services. And we've been looking for these properties, right? And everything was falling through, everything. And I kind of gave up that I was going to have another sober living home. And lo and behold, this lady finds me on Facebook, sends me a random message At first, I thought she was a scammer. And she had saw one of my YouTube uh, interviews with one of my mentors that, uh, you know, that trains people on how to open up a halfway house. And she was really interested in what I was doing and wanted to talk about partnering. And so she comes over that same day, right? And this is all part of taking action, you know, her taking action to 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 message me her taking action to come see the place and she just loved what i was doing and you know like when you when someone just speaks to your soul like when you can just tell that someone has that mindset that shift in in their heart their mind where they're just they're free they understand it. they get it and uh we partnered up and she's like well the house i'm living in is a five-bedroom house i don't need it i'll just go move and we can rent this place out so lo and behold, we got a five-bedroom house. We're getting everything ordered. Uh, the beds are being delivered tomorrow, and Whoa. you know it's happening so, so listen, quick. listen,
1: so you got a, you have a treatment center and and a and a house where multiple people can stay.
0: Absolutely.
1: And this all happened with a, under a year.
0: Under a year, yeah, less than. So
1: you you met Kirk who gave, who started telling you that you're your greatest asset giving you books. You read the and asset, you read other books by Robert Kiyosaki. You started asking questions, being proactive, finding a home, gathering some troops, <laughs> uh, yep. sharing the vision. You are your greatest asset. I hope people see a theme, get this house, start a nonprofit. I know that you probably have special advantages of being a nonprofit for certain renting strategies in real estate. and now you have a treatment center and a halfway house. You're helping the same people that a couple of years ago that you felt called to. That these are your people, all in under a year, bro.
0: Oh, absolutely. And then I started up a real estate business too, called uh, Impact Capital. So we're owning. So our goal is to own the real estate and then rent it to our sober living houses. So I have ten properties currently uh, with another properties. partner. Ten properties.
1: How did? How, what are the economics behind this? Like, get uh, ten properties.
0: I, I use private investors and I gave them a rate of return and share on the cash flow. So all the properties that we acquired uh, were acquired uh, through private money. So again, I didn't use any of my own money. Everyone's happy. Everyone's getting a good rate of return. And then uh, we're also linked up with a wholesale company out here too, where we're capital partners. So we're, we're also doing some JV deals. It's, it's crazy. I got a lot going on, man. It, it's all, all a beautiful I can say thing. Is
1: remember me, okay? Remember oh, for me, sure, okay? man. When you're I, coming with me, bro. <laughs> <laughs> when I come knocking on your door and say, hey, you're, you're like, when you're this real estate um, <laughs> mogul, just be like, hey, do you want to come back on the show? And, <laughs> um, is- dude, I the, the reason I wanted to have you on the show is number one, I think we can all learn by hearing people's stories, and I'm going to be more intentional about sharing those. But number two, like I want you to know that your message is going to encourage at least one person
0: that knows
1: that they're not reaching their highest potential and knows that they can do more. And I, by the way, guys, don't try to compare yourself to I mean, quite frankly, I think there's there's some wisdom and not in going, quote unquote, slow. But if you're a line man and, and the things are coming together, it is so encouraging to see someone like the light bulbs went off. And, and you're just going for it. Are you continuing to serve as a firefighter?
0: Yeah. uh, Currently we're running the numbers, but you know, I would like to pursue this stuff uh, full time. So leaving my career as a firefighter, you know, I'll tell you what, man, this is, I tell everyone this and not to I don't want to sound blunt, but I've, you know, as a firefighter, we're showing up after the tragedies already happened. Right, after the overdose, after the death, after you know actions, and we're kind of the last stop, you know, And being in this business in the recovery business, you know i don't I don't tell people I'm a real estate investor. I tell people I'm a people investor, you know, I invest in people and and i've I can tell you, honestly, Caleb, is that I feel like I've saved more lives being in this industry, you know, catching the guys sponsoring guys, getting people through the recovery process. I feel like I've saved more lives within this short amount of time than I have as eight years as a firefighter. You know, it's really, it's been one of the biggest blessings of my life. And, uh, you know, I'm just, you know, in recovery, they say, you got to give it away to keep it. You know, you got to give what was freely given to me and just kind of mercy myself. But, you know, like it, it literally took me from the time where I started talking to Kirk to the time I opened up my doors at a place, it was about two months to where I was on. And honestly, my success has been, I value my success about how I feel that I'm living out my purpose. Every day I'm checking to make sure that my why is still aligned, you know, and, and constantly evolving. You know, I don't, I don't evaluate my, my wealth based off of, you know dollar amounts i value that it's like you know i'm finally a present father to my kids that i'm finally being true to who i am and you know the hardest part was telling people no you know being being a codependent person like myself and just wanting to be a chameleon and fit in everywhere you know the hardest part is just being true to yourself even though when people are telling you no and uh you know, this this has been one of the most incredible journeys that ever been on my life, and I just I know the impact that we're that we're making on people's lives, and that's worth worth the world to me. You know, and we're getting ready. I have a property uh, down south, like in Tucson area. I we're getting we're getting ready to open up a ex felon uh, bed. We have thirty beds. We'll have thirty beds available for. Ex felons getting out on parole, so we have that'll be through the nonprofit getting people jobs. You know, we linked up with another nonprofit out there called Hoops House, and uh, you know that was crazy too. Like I just randomly called this guy and asked him to help me, and you know he's like an older version of myself. You know, we both share the same the uh, same insight and same goals, and uh, you know just the expansion rate. You know, and I just what's really cool about being in recovery is that I'm in control of the things that I can control and, and I have to live life on life's terms.
1: Well, and by the way, a lot of people, you need to understand that control is a double-edged sword. It's like, yeah, let's all, let's, let's get all romantic about control. Control can be the worst thing in your life if you don't master thyself. Um here here's what's fun. This is not public yet, but we are going to finally have our first annual event. We we plan an event and then let's just say the hotel that we planned with was not open. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> but, and um and so overall, I can't wait for you to be a part of that because I just I just think think about meeting people who are doing things, making things happen. And I and I know that these these stories are encouraging. And so I can't wait to see you in person, man, and give Dude, you. Dude, I can't wait to. Where you're you're in California, right? I, Colorado. Colorado. Um, Colorado. Okay, yeah, that's cool. yeah. Um, but it's it's all the, that's the powerful thing about the internet is you can mm-hmm. get educated and serve people, and um, we are just so excited that you're a part of this network. We're so excited for the work that you're doing. Um, other than you being your greatest asset, any other key money topics that you've that that were just big in in reading my book or reading *Richest Man in Babylon* or Robert Kiyosaki's books?
0: Dude, really, man, is just uh, being. You know, you, we talked about the control, right? If just really, uh, you know, something else that I that I did that I didn't mention was I opened up a private family foundation. I opened up some trusts, so I'm really doing some high level. Uh, investing in myself, you know, and, and getting, getting things set up for generations to come. One, one thing, all right, this is, this is what I want to say. I was, I was kind of being around the bush a little bit to get to this. But uh, Kirk told me something about a week ago that really has really just even taken my perspective to the next level is that we are just stewards over these monies. You know, and once I made that once once my mind like it was it was more of just being aware, like I knew I didn't know what to call it, right? Is when you when we realize that we came in with nothing, we're gonna leave with nothing, that this is everything that we're blessed with, we're just temporarily holding on to. And what are we gonna do with that? Are we gonna make a legacy? Are we gonna create some value for other people's lives to give back? And you know. Uh, Once I opened up my private family foundation, uh, you know, it really came clear to me that to be in control, but, you know, control every or what is it? What's the term Hold on control own nothing, own nothing, you know, like and it's just so true, right? Like owning these properties through an LLC or, uh, you know, you're just managing. You're just managing the money. And that was one thing that I've never, you know, I was making six figures as a firefighter and I had nothing to show for it. I had nothing to show for it, you know, and you're just, you're the money that you're, I remember in the book, you know, you're just talking about like paying all your living expenses like that. Was it like 60% of your income goes just towards the. Li-
1: Depends on who you are, but. <laughs> yeah, like we, yeah. we live in a world where we are obsessed with consumption. And Absolutely, we, and and it rules our life, and and as a result, a lot of times you got to change the human being before you can give them strategies. And you're uh you're definitely a quick start. And and my challenge to you is be consistent because emotions, there you're gonna have some negative emotions that come your way in business, and there's things that are not all gonna go as planned. But don't forget the reason why you started, and stay stay true to the principles, and 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 make sure that you you keep perspective because I'm telling you, man, you're going to go through stages and it's, um, it's one of those things that that is why a community is important. And that's why I'm so grateful that you're tied into what we're, what we're doing. So with that, man, I end all my podcasts with what I call the legacy question. And a legacy it. question goes like this. If this is your last day on earth. You're with the people that you love the most. So I, I bet your, your kids will be a part of that equation. What are you going to make sure to pass on in that last conversation to them?
0: I'm gonna make sure that they know who I was, who I am, that I was that I wasn't perfect, but I was there for for them when they needed me. You know, I may not be there when they want me, you know, because our time is split, but I'm there always. And, you know, the biggest thing for me is just is really just having them, you know, one one thing about my disease, man, was that where I really started getting real with myself was, man, if I were to, you know, I did have this question where, man, if I were to die today, would anyone really know the real me? Would anyone really know the true struggles of what I've been through? And, you know, part of the stuff that keeps us, you know, ill is our shame, you know, keeping these things internalized and it keeps us really sick. And just the only way... Someone once told me that the, the quickest way to come out of shame is you got to talk about it. You got to shed light on it into every aspect of your life. And so just really not just talk about it, but be about it. That I want my kids to know that I was a doer, that, you know, all this advice, right? All, all that's merely interesting unless you're actually taking action in your life. And, you know, to really just be true to yourself, to thine self be true. And uh, you know that's what I would leave. And uh, you know, Caleb, I'm just extremely honored for this opportunity to come onto your show. I've been looking forward to it. Uh, since the moment I met you, I was kind of nervous, kind of messaging your assistant and stuff. And you know I listen to your podcasts regularly, and they're very inspirational. And you know, I owe a lot to uh, i owe a lot of my success today to what you and better wealth has done for me and my family and our lives. and You know just seeing the domino effect you know because the things you know had kirk not went through his what he needed to go through or met you i wouldn't have been able to get those tools and had i never been able to get these tools the people in the sober living houses the peoples that i'm touching on a day-to-day basis wouldn't be able to get it and i just uh very appreciative for who you are man i love you very much i can't wait to meet you in person thank you again for having me on today's show and uh I look forward to our future together.
1: Man, for not being a podcaster, I think uh, I think we might have to break that streak and uh, get you get you started with the show <laughs> because Oh, I, I would you, love
0: to, man. You I have a to. Lot,
1: lot to share, man. Keep keep up the good work. I love you too. I'm really proud of the work that you're doing and it's powerful. It's powerful. So thank you for being the ripple and and making more ripples. If you're on podcast, we appreciate you listening. And we ask the same. Like if you're on Apple and have not reviewed the show, make sure to scroll all the way down and leave an Apple review. That really means the world. Helps other people find this. And then share this with two people. Share this with two people that need to hear the message. And uh, like always, man, we appreciate it. Take care and keep living intentionally.